Newcastle and Hunter Valleys. Two and you are FM 103.7 Friday afternoon. Sally Lucas, good afternoon and welcome along for Talking Travel. Now, Norfolk Island. Exactly. I was there just uh, last weekend, Dave, and just to do an exploration um, because it's an area I haven't been to before. I've been to Lord Howe many times, but I hadn't been to Norfolk. So I thought we'd talk about Norfolk today and what it has to offer and also how important it is as far as our Australian history is concerned. And I don't think we're ever taught enough about our own history in schools. And we've talked before about the Darwin bombing and how that was hidden for years and how it was worse than mm. Pearl Harbour. Um, I'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute as well um, towards the end of the program. But the actual island of Norfolk had been settled you know, centuries ago by Polynesians, but they left for whatever reason they really don't know. And so the island was left for hundreds of years with no one on it. And then eventually on March the 6th, 1788, only six weeks after the first fleet hit Botany Bay, that's when Norfolk Island was settled, and I did not know that. Okay. And I think most of us have the perception that it was established as a penal colony. Mm. Well, that's not true either. Um, it was actually settled because of the fact of what it had on the island, which is these wonderful tall Norfolk Island pines, which are huge. They're immensely tall and as straight as a die. And also the flax that was grown, because they noticed on their previous excursions, the different explorers around the Pacific Islands, that the flax was very good for making things. Like you can make um, baskets, you can make, you know, uh, clothing, all sorts of things out of it. So they saw it as a source that would help New South Wales and the settlement there, because they could build the ships with the nice tall, straight timber for the masts and other timber to build the actual ships, as well as they could produce things from the flax. So this was um, actually... Um, hand-picked from the ranks of the first fleet as there were only just 23 settlers originally. Right. Seven free men, 15 convicts, convicts rather, and the commandant, who was Lieutenant Philip Gidley King. So that's why it's got such beautiful old buildings there. It wasn't actually established initially as a penal settlement, but beautiful homes. You know, the government house there, the original government house is, is gorgeous. Wow. So there's some wonderful buildings there as well. And the people, the Pitcanners eventually hit there, but they didn't come there until the 1800s. So they've got what they call the first settlement, the second settlement. The th- so it was settled three times and then it was left between each time. And then the experiment was bringing the Pitcanners over there. And mm-hmm. they were the final settlers and that's everyone on that island they come from about seven surnames. Oh. That's it. So 193 people left Pitcairn Island by boat, and that was uh, approved by Queen Victoria at the time because this was in the 1850s. I think it was around about 1856. Um, and they, they were running out of food and water on Pitcairn, so they could no longer sustain themselves. Right. So Norfolk had been... Um, vacant, if you like, for, for a number of years at this stage. So they let them go there. And they, under the perception to this day, the Norfolk Islanders still believe um, that that is their island, even though we've just had the recent news of 1 July coming under Australian federal government control mm. now. Mm. They're not happy about that. Okay. And they're still saying back in Queen Victoria's day, they were promised the island. It was to be theirs. However, that wasn't the case. When mm. they got there, um, they were told they could have 50 acres each. Um, to settle. So mm. it started with 193. A baby boy was born on board. And so eventually 194 people with only seven surnames. And all the people there today are descendants. All the main, main residents of that island are descendants of those seven now, Sally, families. How far away from mainland Australia? How long it's to get there? 1,500 k's. Mm. And it's about two and a half hour direct flight from Sydney. Air New Zealand flies there. And you can also fly there from Brisbane and from Auckland. Right. So uh, you've got a daily service going there. But what you learn about the history is incredible. I think that that's the, a very important part 
uh, at Kingston where this, this settlement was. And it's a very um, cliffy island, if you like. So there's not many areas where it was very difficult for them to get boats ashore because you've got a reef as well. So they had to ferry the people in bit by bit with, with tenders. And even now today, there's only two jetties, which they're extending one because it's too small. One's closed at the moment. So there's only two places on the island where a boat can actually access to get in and bring in goods and supplies. So everything like their cars, everything, of course, has to come by ship. And it's a great event when the ship comes into port because it's such a thing that everyone, you know, goes down there just to see what's going on and what's happening. Once you're on Norfolk Island, can you access around as much of the island as you can? The whole island. Yeah. We, did, we did the whole island nearly three days. I think we went up and down just about every road. Well, probably not every road, but close. So you hire a car. You really need to hire a car when you get there. It, it's your only means of getting around um, other than doing tours. But a tour is only going to take you to each day. You might do a tour to a certain destination. But... A car really is the way to go. Um, I'm surprised they don't have many scooters or motorbikes there because to me it would be an ideal yeah. place and a cheap method of transport and getting around. So, But, yeah, it's a fascinating island and it's verdant, so verdant. Like you fly in, it's lush. Absolutely lush. So it's, yeah, it's a, it's a South Pacific island. And again, a bit like Lord Howe, it's, it's unique. They're both unique in their own right because they've both been part of volcanic activity in their lifetime. So it's left them with a very temperate climate. It's due east of Byron, actually, but it's actually got a more temperate climate than Byron. I think, as I said to you before, Dave, it's, it's the fact that it's so lush, number one, and also the history. The, the, really, the history got to me, and people had said that to me before, and they are very, very um, emphatic about you knowing about the history and knowing about the beginnings. They said, we are really the start of Australia. Everyone thought it was probably Tasmania or somewhere else, but, you know, Norfolk Island has, has a strong, strong mm. link to history. And um, also, just to let you know that the other reason that they wanted to um, take the island was not just the refurbishment of the British ships and so on and the flax, but they wanted to stop it falling into the hands of the French, who were very, you know, prolific explorers mm. at that time. And as you know, most of the places in Australia now have got French names. Don yep. Tricasto, you know, Channel, you've got all yeah. these French names in Tassie mm. and all around the, the some of the parts of the west coast of Australia are French. So they were very active and yeah. they were wanting to take possession of territories as well. So that was another reason. And as I said, it was settled um, three different occasions in its, in its time. And it was actually empty by 1814 and everything was just asked to be destroyed because they um, heard about the degradation of how it was only male prisoners were eventually taken there when it did become a penal settlement. So they wanted to destroy it and burn it down. So all that's left of the actual jail part of it is just the walls that are around it because they were they had, it sounds awful, but they, they had as young as eight and a half year old boys mm. through, through to elderly and they were all in shackles the whole time. Mm. And and very badly treated, and they didn't. They wanted to forget about. They wanted to wipe out the memory. So they actually destroyed all those buildings. But all the other beautiful buildings from its earlier times before the penal settlement are still there. And they've got four museums that'll tell you all the history, different wow. you know, aspects of it. Yeah. You can go and have a look at the government house, etc. But other things you can do. You can go to Colleen McCulloch's house. Of course, she was such a famous person. So you can do a tour to take yeah. in Colleen McCulloch's house. Very, they're they're very proud of her, of course. And and Helen Reddy lived there for. 
while too, okay, I believe. Yeah, yeah she yeah. did. She don't think she's there anymore. Um, but other than the government house, you could do this sporting things like the walks, beautiful, beautiful walks. You mm-hmm. can do beautiful. Um, they've got lots of picnic tables and things set up all around little beautiful vantage points because it's very cliffy. As I said, you've got this magnificent outlook and you look across to an island from most parts of the island called Phillip Island. Right. And that's another island that they're restoring because apparently originally it was full of like rabbits and rats and everything. The whole island was almost bare. And now, again, you can see all these green patches on it where it's coming back to life. And they're wanting to um, put a parrot over there, their famous green parrot, which is endemic to Norfolk rather than lose it, which they said they could mm-hmm. if they're not careful. They're trying to reforest Phillip Island so they can hopefully put a breeding program over there. So it's, it's a lot of interesting stuff happening there. Um, and you can do things like stand-up paddleboarding. You can hire sea kayaks and go out on a guided sea kayak tour. You can go on glass-bottom boat tours. It's still got beautiful reef and Maybe fish. Maybe some diving around there, do you think? You could dive, yeah. yes. And the water is, doesn't, stay, doesn't get really cold. Like Obviously, it's a bit fresh in winter. But when we were there, 21 to 22 degrees. That's not... How Temperate's that. That's very comfortable, yeah. And they, they said even in summer, it only gets up to around 28, 29. And because they're an island, they've always got a sea breeze. But also because they're an island, the weather's very changeable. And very much like when I went to the Cook Islands, it was the same. But you can be raining on one side of the island and not on the other. So it's only 35 kilometres square. So you can get around and if it's, you don't like the weather on one side of the island, pop around to the other side. What's so, the, it, is, it is steeped in history, as you said. Yeah. A lot of colonial feel to it. Yes. What's it like for accommodation in there? You're you looking at the still it's a four or five star? It's not range. Not a lot no? of four or five star. Yeah. I don't think... Because they don't have, I guess, a lot for employment other than tourism um, is the main thing, and that's their main source of income, they don't have the money or the infrastructure to, I guess, have a really high level. There are some, you know, small boutique properties that might only have four or five villas or something, but they're just small. They're not big, Mm. huge, immense resorts. You do have a couple of hotels that have been there for a long, long time, like the South Pacific Hotel, which has been there. So you've got your hotel, motel-style accommodation. You've got houses you can rent if you just want a house, if a few people wanted to rent their own house. they have B&Bs there? Not as such, no. No, no the, the houses they have, it's but villas, like you can have villas which include breakfast, like yeah. where I stayed included a continental breakfast, um, the Heritage Hill it was called, and that's sort of just out of the township which is called Burnt Pine, and Kingston is the main area which is where all the history is. Um, but yes, you can do, draw, as I said, drives all around, and little girls sometimes are sitting on the side of the road selling you oranges and mandarins. They've got beautiful, fresh passion fruit for only 30 cents each, mm. uh, guavas, um, you know, so they're... they're really produce all their own fruit and veg. They're self-sufficient. It's riddled with cattle, and you've never seen such fat, happy cows in your life. And they're all just free-range. They're not fenced. So it's always you've got to be give way to the cows. And they're just eating everywhere, and they don't, they don't take any notice of you. So, and there's chooks, free-range chooks, chooks and roosters and cows everywhere. Um, it's, so it's quite amazing in, in that respect as well. But, yes, you've got a whole range of accommodation, you know, from, from three-star up to a couple of you know, maybe four-star properties. But it's mainly you're going there for nature and the history. I think they're the two main things you go there for. Oh, absolutely. Peaceful, tranquility. And pureness of air. Pureness of the water is crystal clear. It's absolutely stunning. It's it's beautiful. So, and then there's some lovely little restaurants have popped up now. Some really nice little restaurants and cafes and so on. Um, 
a lot of people have left the island though because of, of employment and problems and after the GFC they had a lot of downturn in tourism so they are really keen for people to come back. They're yeah. still down on what their numbers used to be and even their permanent population is down. Uh, down by about 500 people to what it was in about 2011. So there's only about 1,650-odd permanent residents, and then they have what they call people with temporary um, entry permits, general entry permits, and some other sort of entry permit, and then visitors. So the amount of visitors on the island for, I think, the end of June was only about 400, so it's really down. And it's it's part of Australia, so you don't need a passport to go, do you? Not as as of one July, you did before then. You yeah. either needed a Norfolk Island document identity or a passport. Mm-hmm. But this is still sort of coming rolling in because it only started on the first of July. Yeah. Um, Medicare is covered there now, which it used to be, so you don't need to worry about health insurance. Um, they will still, I still use my passport. Um, at the moment, you, they still prefer you to use a passport uh, until all this is, you know, mm-hmm. takes a while for these things to take effect. Eventually, no passport will be required. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then for Norfolk Islanders, they can still just use a, do- uh, a document of identity. Um, but look, it's very interesting. As I said, the history of the people, the people you meet, and, and they all multitask. Like we had a girl serving us at the RSL, no, the bowling club one night behind the bar, and then she was our, our hostess on the Air New Zealand flight the next day. And someone was at the Air New Zealand counter and she also worked in the travel agency. Mm. Or, you know, because there's not a lot of work, yeah. so to, to, they supplement their income by often holding two jobs. Yeah. But the only thing is they really need to come into the 21st century. They don't have a lot of weekend trading. And I think if they want tourism to continue to grow, they can't just have everything closed down at lunchtime on Saturday. Yeah. But they've done that because of the islanders and their strong religious feel for Sundays. Like It's a very important day for mm. them. They all go to church mm. when there's a beautiful church they're called St Barnabas which is absolutely stunning sandstone and timber and it was built by a Scottish architect and they get earthquakes on Norfolk and they said every time they had an earthquake it hasn't moved a centimetre Wow. It was, he was one of the first people to incorporate sort of joining or building the timber halfway into the the um, sandstone slabs, etc. And then the floor's torquey marble. Mm. And they've got um, all this mother of pearl inset at the end of all the pews that the children did. It's just... It's a wonderful yeah. church, but and you can go to the services if you want to at eight thirty on a Sunday and join in. Okay, so a great a great destination if you really want to step back in time a bit, somewhere beautiful and natural, and take it easy and just enjoy. Newcastle and the Hunter Valleys, two and URFM one hundred three point seven for our sponsor Travel on King. It's talking travel with Sally Lucas as we like to take a look at the hot deals that are around. Just before we get on to all the hot deals, I just thought I'd mention too, don't forget, if you want to go onto the Norfolk Island Tourism website, you'll find lots of information on there, including their calendar of events. They have lots of interesting things throughout the year, like they've always got the Jazz Festival, which is quite famous in December. They have um, golf tournaments there and they also have um, painting and art workshops so there's you know they'll, they'll cater to different yeah. groups and they it's, so just go onto that website and check it out because they do have quite a lot of things on throughout the year that might suit your interests okay hot deals we have now for the first time in Australia been given access to the USA for sports tickets so this is a first and um, they now can be purchased here in Australian dollars for all major sporting events in the USA you know ranging from whatever it might be, gridiron, football, basketball, car racing, 
horse racing, tennis open, golf open, etc., etc. And we can even book seats if it's a seat required booking, and it's in AUD. So that's that's great. This is just something new that's uh, been made available in Australia. Um, also new, Viking Ocean Cruises are establishing for next year and 2018. 10 new different and exciting itineraries, which is great. Uh, we always like to see new itineraries coming on board. And one of them is a 15-day itinerary that's taking in New York, Bermuda and the West Indies. So if you want to go over there, take in a few events or something in New York and then tack on a cruise at the end, yeah. how nice would that be? That would be perfect. Um, which includes, it's a 15-day tour and it actually includes nine guided tours as well. So that's good so you're not paying extra for your shore excursions. Yeah. And that starts from under 6,000. Then they've got a fantastic one that goes from the Caribbean and all the way through the Caribbean, then up the um, the west coast of South America into the Amazon for 22 days, and that includes 11 guided tours, mm-hmm. and that's under eleven and a half thousand dollars. But that's all inclusive, of course, for that time that you're away. Other things we've got: free onboard credit with Herty Gruten. They're the wonderful company that do the Norway Coastal Voyage for up to 31 December this year. They're giving you 1,500 Norwegian 1,500 rather Norwegian krona, which is about 250 AUD that you can spend on board or towards shore excursions or drinks or whatever. And on some of their sailings now, they've also got no single supplements. Oh, that's great. So we love that, don't we? Um, Australian Pacific Touring, APT, for Asia 2016-17, they've got some limited offers with some great deals on airfares. So for China and Japan for next year, for India, and also for Myanmar, Vietnam and Cambodia. Now, a lot of these are... For example, China and Japan, companion fly free, including taxes. Mm. They get one free airfare. Or you can fly business class for under 1000 Wow. Return. That's brilliant. Yeah. And Burma, a similar thing there. Um, there's a fly free or fly for just um, uh, an ex- another amount. So they've got two, two different offers there and a business class offer. India, the same. They've given you a $500 air credit per couple. So it's a, it varies with each one. And then they've got fly free and save 1000 per couple on Vietnam and Cambodia and two for one on selected tours. So there's some great offers there. They're also now, including for next year, they're going to Japan for the first time. So they're introducing Japan itineraries, and they've got fly-frees on that as well for Best of Japan and the Circle of Hokkaido. And that's a 19-day itinerary, and you've got a fly-free. And on the other one, the Best of Japan, it's an 11-day itinerary, companion flies free and that goes from Osaka to Tokyo. There's all sorts of new things always happening Dave which we love don't we love new things. Now this is a real bargain. This might be my bargain of the day I think this is on the Royal Caribbean line now it's a 24 night cruise which is starting in Seattle and coming all the way through to Sydney 24 nights right you're hearing that on the Explorer of the Seas how much do you reckon you pay for a 24 night cruise Dave? Ooh yeah yeah it starts at under fifteen and a half. Wow. I mean, one thousand five hundred and fifty. No, for twenty-four nights. How can they do twenty-four nights for that price? That's the lead-in price in an inside cabin, of course. But hey, wow. it's it's great savings, and they've got all sorts of ranges. Now that's valid for the eighth of October this year. So it's a 24-night Trans-Pacific cruise. Now, you're going to be cruising through about, I think, nine ports of call. Mm. Um, So you cruise from Seattle and you go down to Honolulu in Oahu. Then you also go to, uh, which is Hawaii, uh, I should say that, sorry, Uh, Maui, which is Hawaii as well. Okay, so you're going there. Uh, then you go on to, uh, let me find the next one, you cross the, the international date line yes. and then you head to Suva, 
in Fiji, mm-hmm. and then you go on to Vila in Vanuatu, Mystery Island in Vanuatu, Numia in New Caledonia, and then you eventually disembark in Sydney. I don't know how they can do that for that price. Well, I just think it's such good value. You've for nearly money. got a whole month there away, haven't yeah, you? Well, well three and a half weeks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's so, brilliant. so absolutely fantastic. Uh, so, look, there you go. Lots of hot deals. There's lots of good cruise options. There's lots of airfares out there at the moment. Uh, by the way, with Norfolk to Air New Zealand at the moment has still got a special offer available for the winter months. Hundred dollars off. Uh, your airfare, so that might encourage you to go, especially after I've told you it's a nice balmy yeah. between 20 and 22 degrees during the day. Warmer there than here. Oh, much, yeah. much. And even night time, it doesn't get down to as low as we get. So I think our lowest at night was about 14. 